and as much as they have impacted society. I don't know that there's a better statement than what Jonah made for us here in Jonah chapter 2, verse 9, and the third part of it, I've labeled it verse part C, where he says to us that salvation is of the Lord. He tells us that salvation comes to us only by Him. It comes to us through Him. Jonah made the statement. And the statement reminds us of three amazing truths of salvation. The first statement we see about salvation is that salvation shows us the depravity of humanity. Now, before I go too far with that, I need to go ahead and explain to you the word depravity. What does depravity mean? Sometimes you hear it in theological circles as total depravity. Maybe a better way to understand it is total inability. Humanity has totally has the inability to go to God on His own. We are separated from God by sin. Genesis 3, 6 would tell us that every part of man needs a Savior. His mind, his will, his emotion, his flesh. Isaiah would tell us that even the best of us before God is like filthy rags. In fact, you could take it on even further and say that if we take the goodness of every one of us and we pile it together and we say, Lord, here is our offering, He will say that is filthy rags before me because it's tainted at the foundation. It's tainted at the foundation when original sin entered into humanity. And since that moment that sin entered humanity... Humanity has either been trying to prove that he did not need God or he was trying to measure up that he was good enough for God and everything in the Old Testament was there to show us that we need a Savior. That it comes from Him. Amen? And we got it from the back. Yes, we did. I love it. It's a simple truth for us to understand. On one occasion, Billy Sunday was preaching to a large group of people. And when he had finished preaching, somebody came up to him and said, Mr. Sunday, you got to quit preaching that way. You're rubbing, the cat fur on, you're rubbing the fur on the cat in the wrong direction. And Billy Sunday replied, if the cat would turn around, I'd be rubbing him the right way. Now listen to me. Salvation shows us the depravity of of humanity. We all are apart from God by sin. It's not just sins. Hear me. So many times we think, I will confess my sins, tell God I'm sorry for my sins. And yes, the scripture says to confess our sins to God. But also, God tells us that we need to repent of our sin nature. We don't need to just repent of our behavior but we need to repent of our condition. And my condition is that I am totally depraved. I am totally unable, unable to get to God on my own. And so Jonah, when he's crying out, he says, Salvation is from the Lord. He is telling us that Jesus and God, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Have you ever considered the fact 
that because salvation is revealed, it's the statement that salvation is required. For God to reveal it to us implies and states emphatically to us that we must have salvation. God went to great lengths to reveal to us our need for salvation. He went to great lengths to show us the plan of salvation. And now He declares to us that salvation is for everyone. Now, salvation shows us the depravity of humanity. And in our depravity, we see that a life without God is dead. Every human being suffers from an, an undeniable condition. It's a fatal condition and that Paul would have said in Ephesians 2.1, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. You see, if you're here in the redeemed condition today, if you have accepted Christ as your Savior, you were dead in trespasses and sin, and through the blood of Christ you have been made alive the scripture says you're a new creature. But not only are you a new creature whose past has been forgiven, whose present is redeemed, and your future is secure, but you have the living God inside of you. That He will guide you to all truth. He will walk you to the place that God desires for you. Paul is speaking to the church in Romans 5.12. He says, Therefore, just as through one man, that's Adam, Sin, um, sin entered the world and death through sin and death, death spread to all men because all sinned. Ladies and gentlemen, please hear me. We are all in need of a Savior. I am in need of my Savior for eternity because without Him I would be eternally separated from God the Father, I would not have an intimate relationship with Him. That is His declaration. But I don't just need Him for eternity. I need Him for the moment. Because left to my own devices, left to my own decisions, left to my own walking in my own way, I will walk away from Him again and again and again and time after time after time after time. Jonah, in the belly of that well, made the statement, salvation is of the Lord. Yes, salvation eternally is of the Lord, but in the moment, salvation comes from the Lord. Have you ever had that moment that you just wanted to sin? You know what I'm talking about. You knew it wasn't right. You knew that it wasn't a good choice, but you went ahead and said, you know what, just this one time, I've been there. And in that moment, it seems like absolutely the best and absolute wonderful thing to do. And then you wake up the next day. And in that moment, Jonah is saying, salvation comes from the Lord. In that moment, God will empower you. In that moment, God who indwells you can keep you and guide you to all righteousness. Apart from God, a life without God is dead. It has no hope. We stand in total need of a Savior. But not only do we see that in our depravity that we are dead without God, but we see that a life without God is defiled. There's a common misconception regarding 
total depravity. Total depravity does not mean that man is as wicked or as sinful as he could be. Nor does it mean that man is without a conscience or any sense of right and wrong. Neither does total depravity mean that God does not or cannot do things, man that man does not or cannot do things that seem to be good when viewed from a human perspective or measured against a human standard. But here's the problem. God does not measure us against a human standard. He measures us against himself, against his holiness, against his righteousness. He measures us against who he is and what he desires for us as human beings. When I stand up and say, well, I'm not as bad as I could be, we're still declaring that we're not all that God wants us to be. Therefore, we must not look to the standard of humanity, to the code of culture, but we must look to the guide of the Bible that says, this is my desire for you, that you daily take up your cross and follow me, that you die to yourself, that you surrender your heart, that you give over your will, your emotions. I don't think there's a day that goes by, at least in recent history, that one of the first things I say in the morning is, God, this is your mind. Give it holy thoughts. God, these are your eyes. Cause them to only look on what honors you. These are your ears. God, don't let me intentionally listen to something that's going to draw me away from you. God, this is your mouth. Would you let it speak words that are good and holy and true and right? And one of the things that I know is this. That what I let into my mind is eventually going to work its way out in my life. If I think it, somewhere along the way I'm going to act on it. If it's in my head and I have conversations all the time up there, some of them very, very shallow. But they will work, those words will work their way out. God says to guard to guard because a life without God is defiled. Isaiah 64 says, But we all are like an unclean thing, and all our, unright our righteousness are like filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind. Before God, our goodness compares to the pile of dirty rags. Please do not fall prey to the, well, I'm better than the person sitting next to me. Or I'm not as bad as the person that lives down the street. Or at least I went home last night. Or I'm in church today, so that makes me something. Yes, it does, and that's good, and God is pleased when we make right choices. But the right choices that we're pleased, it pleases God, are based on the fact that we've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And at the moment as the church that we began to compare ourselves to culture or people for our standard of godliness, we will fall in a steady decline. We may be above those who don't know Christ, but we will be far below what God calls us to be.
We need to hunger, the scripture says, to hunger and thirst for righteousness. Paul says all things are permissible, but not all things are profitable. There are things that are allowed, but are they profitable? Do they take me to God? Do they draw me to Him? Do they cause me in my moments of weakness to think or behave or act in a way that does not bring honor to the God that died on the cross to redeem me from sin so that I could be seated in the heavenlies? Or do these things cause others around me to be drawn away? Does it cause them to falter? You see, as a follower of Christ, I have a responsibility of holiness. But I also have a responsibility to be that third cord in your life. The third strand, not easily broken, the cord of three strands sticks together. I, as a believer, and you, as a follower of Christ, have the responsibility to help the people around you to be people who walk more closely to God. That's why he would say, Dwell on these things, whatever is true and good and right and profitable. It's so easy to draw a circle around our Christianity and say, here is my circle, and as long as I don't step out of my circle, I'm okay. And in one sense, that's true. But God's heart for us is not for us to see how far to the edge we can live without falling over and away from Him. His desire for us is to see how, much, how close we can be to the center of His will. And I want to tell you, if you've got a rebellious personality, if you've got a personality that likes to shock or to live on the edge or to... to to do whatever. It is very, very hard to do that. But God is showing me over and over and more and more that the center of His will is the very best place for me to be. The center of His will, listening to Him, trusting Him, even in the moments of inequity or unfairness or in the moments where um, ridicule or harshness are coming. God, I still want to run to the center of Your will because in the center of Your will... I am safe. When I was a child and there was a scary moment, it was good to be in the room with my mama. But let me tell you the best place to be as a child when it's a scary moment is to be in your mama's arms. And see, what God is telling us is yes, as a redeemed child, you're in my presence, but your best place to be is in my arms. We need to run to Him. A life without God is dead. A life without God is defiled. Become engulfed by grace to the will and the way of God. Martin Luther, the theologian, said, I have vowed a vow to God above a thousand times that I would become a better man. But I have never performed that which I vowed. I shall not be able with all my vows and all my good deeds to stand before Him. We stand before God not because we're good. We stand before God because Jesus died on the cross for our sin. 
Salvation shows us the depravity of humanity, but salvation also shows us the dependence of humanity. Man is a fallen creature. We're fallen people because of a sin nature we inherited at birth. You didn't do anything. They say nothing in life is free. Well, let me tell you, your sin nature is free. You got it at birth. You didn't do anything for it. You were born with it. It is yours. We find ourselves unable to have this relationship with God on our own, by our own merit. Therefore, not only we find ourselves depraved, but we find ourselves dependent. And it's very easy, even once we have become a follower of Christ, it's very easy at that moment to say, okay, I have salvation. Now, God, I got the rest of this. I'm on my own. And can I tell you, individual after individual after individual has walked out of the church saying, I'm not going to hell and now I've got it, and they have fallen flat on their face. Because God did not design us to be isolated. God designed us to be in relationship with Him. He designed us to be in relationship with other believers. And that relationship ultimately is manifested through fellowship. Together, encouraging one another to good works. Together, encouraging one another to live and to submit and to surrender to godliness. But it's through our dependence on God that we see that by God, salvation is authored. I think it's very important for us to connect salvation to a Savior. Not ambiguous. But Scripture says that there is not but one who can give salvation to humanity. And that is Jesus Christ, appointed by God to be the payment for the penalty of sin. It is through Him that we understand. The psalmist understood it when he said, Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. We must not get lured into the trap that salvation comes from goodness. Salvation comes from religion. No, it does not come from that. That is a byproduct of salvation. Salvation comes from the Lord and the Lord only through the blood of Jesus Christ. I read a thing the other day by a gentleman, he said that this, this, and this all worship the same God. Let me tell you, if somebody tells you they worship a God other than the one who says and affirms that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me, you are not worshiping the same God. You are not. You may be worshiping a form of the same God, but you're not worshiping the same because my scripture tells me that God does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And in our efforts I'm not even sure what the efforts are, but in this effort to to harmonize for lack of a better way to say it 
we're lowering some standards that God said do not lower. It is absolutely our responsibility. By this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. It is absolutely our dis responsibility to love one another. It is our responsibility to love people, to go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in, that the house may be full. But if we do not tell them the truth, that salvation is of the Lord and that Jesus is the only way, we have done them no favor. We've been kind, but they're still going to hell. And is that really kindness? If I love you at all, I ought to love you enough to tell you that eternal life comes through God, Son, Jesus Christ. Salvation is authored by God. 1 Thessalonians 5.9 says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. The day that I was born again, I did not go looking for God. The scripture says that God came looking for me. He came to me. He called to me. Yes, He even gave me the ability to cry out to Him and say, Jesus, be my Redeemer. Jesus, be my Savior. Our salvation is initiated by God and God alone. Jonah says, salvation is of the Lord. Not only do we see that salvation is authored by God, we see that Salvation is available by grace. By grace, salvation is available. If salvation is out of our hands, then it must be in the hands of God. And if God offers it to you, then it is grace for you to be able to receive it. Because grace is me receiving, not receiving what I do deserve. I do deserve to be separated from God. But God offers to us salvation. Ephesians 2 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. When Jonah was made that statement of his salvation is of the Lord, he was in the belly of a whale. And he cried out, and God delivered him salvation is authored by God salvation is available by grace it is accessed by Christ Jesus said I am that way in fact there is no other way there is no other name there is no other possibility it is only by that name salvation is accessed through Christ in Jonah's statement, we see the depravity of humanity. We see the dependence of humanity. We see the deliverance of humanity. Colossians 1, 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of His Son, of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sin. That word salvation is the picture of a rescue. It's the picture of at that very moment from the jaws of death being snatched away from it and your life being saved. It's the picture of in storms when we see people stranded on top of their house or in their, in their car that has run off into water and people are dramatically rescuing them and at that last moment they take them out 
and their life is saved. That's where we are. That's where our neighbors are. That's where our community is. People who do not know the Lord, they need to be rescued. And He has appointed us to be the ambassadors of His Word, to go out into the community, to build relationships with people, to encourage one another, to call on the name of the Lord. Not be lulled to sleep by our goodness or we're better than they are, but to recognize that we need a Savior. Once we have that Savior, not only do we see that it is the power of salvation, it means we have been delivered, but we also see the point of salvation. Once Jonah is delivered from the belly of that whale, that great fish, he is a different man. Before he had rejected the call of God on his life, and now he's ready to receive the call of God on his life. He comes out of that whale or that great fish, whatever you prefer to call it. Now, ready to go to Nineveh to tell people salvation is of the Lord. You see, the proof of a redeemed life is a changed behavior. The scripture says that the life that has been redeemed by Christ bears the fruit of Christ. And you could go and look at it in Galatians 5 and find out what the fruit of the Spirit is. You could, but you could understand this, that once you have been redeemed, you are very unlikely to be comfortable watching other people perish. I don't know how many times I've told you, but I've told you many times. I don't ever want to forget what it felt like to be a man who did not know God. I remember that moment before I cried out to Jesus, Jesus, redeem me. Jesus, be my Savior. And I don't ever want to forget that feeling because in that moment of desperation, when I cried out to Him, it was in that moment of desperation and crying out that I received salvation and the peace of God. And I don't want others to have to live in that torment. I want them to know. Jonah chose his path. He said, I don't want to go to Nineveh. I will go down to Joppa. I will go down to the bow of that boat. I will go to sleep. I, am, I will let you throw me overboard. Have you ever thought that at that moment when he said, throw me overboard, he could have said, take me to back to Nineveh, and the storm would have ceased just the same. But he chose all the way to being thrown out of that boat in his own defiance. He chose a storm. That's why any time that we're in a storm, we don't need to say, well, boy, Satan's working on me. We may need to say, look at what I just chose. To live in. Now, does evil come from Satan? Yes, and you could take that out and extrapolate it and debate it a long way. But God gives you a free choice to say, I choose you or I don't choose you. And Jonah chose to be thrown out of the boat. To be swallowed by the fish that God had prepared.
So in your storms today, are they storms of choice? If they are, at any moment you can cry out. Because as soon as Jonah cried out, Lord, salvation is from you, I'll go to Nineveh. The storm got an upset stomach. It may very well be that for us today, we simply need to cry out, God, I'll go. Because I do believe this. I believe that God has a Nineveh for every one of us. I believe he has a place he wants every one of us to be. I believe he has a purpose for redeeming every one of us. And I believe that he teaches us in Scripture that if we seek him, we will find him. And that he will show us that purpose. There are going to be times we don't like the path necessarily. But if that path will drive us to holiness, it is a good path. And ultimately, it will lead to happiness. Because in the center of God's will. Have you ever thought the greatest blessing in Jonah's life was whale vomit? I mean, think about that. I mean... The greatest demonstration of grace in his life was a nauseated fish. He said he was wrapped in seaweed. The point of your salvation is not for you to sit back and say, I am redeemed. The point of your salvation is to become an obedient follower. Headed to the destination, the call of God on your life. You say, well, you don't know my circumstances. No. But I know that God does. And I know all throughout Scripture, he says, I know the plans I have for you. I know that he says that before you were even conceived, I knew you. He said, I knit you together in your mother's womb. have conversations, we have conversations with people from time to time. And they'll say, you know, I'm just not getting anything out of church. And I always go back to one of those moments in my life when I made that statement. And the person wonderfully looked at me and said, well, what are you putting into it? 
The law of the harvest, you reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. You reap later than you sow. You can't come and put $5 in the plate today and go home and expect life to turn around because you reap what you sow. You reap more than you sow. You reap later than you sow. Sometimes you just got to keep on sowing. But the scripture says if you sow godliness, you will reap godliness. If you sow purpose, you will reap purpose. If you sow generosity, you will reap generosity. If you sow investment into people's lives, God says, I will bless you. Or he's a liar. If he is, cut out the lights. Let's go home. Because what's the point? He is not a liar. No, 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 let's don't go home. <laughs> no, we can turn them back on. That's it. It's good. It's good. Um, he is not a liar. God is true. God is for you. Jonah had to get into the belly of that fish. And when he hit the bottom and he cried out, we sing about it. I called, you answered, and you came to my rescue. Today, God is waiting for your call. And at the moment of your call, he will come to your rescue. Will it be immediate for some? Will it be for certain? For all. So let's call on him. What holds us back? Salvation is from the Lord.